Book Six, Chapter One of A Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick Maclear. Book Six. Joshua and the Conquest of Western Palestine. Chapter 1. The Passage of the Jordan and Fall of Jericho. Joshua chapters 1 to 6. B.C. 1451. Joshua, the son of Nun, of the powerful tribe of Ephraim, had, as we have seen, been already selected as a successor of Moses and the leader of the Israelitish forces. When, therefore, the thirty days of mourning for that eminent servant of God were ended, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 8, he was encouraged by the Lord to undertake the task of conquest, which now devolved upon him, and was assured of complete success, if careful to observe the commandments of the law. Accordingly, preparations were made for the enterprise without delay, Provisions for three days were issued to the host and the tribes of Reuben, Gad and Manasseh, already located on the eastern side of the Jordan, were reminded of their promise to accompany their brethren and share the perils and hardships of the campaign. The general distribution of the nations now inhabiting Western Palestine has been already described. Along the valley of the Jordan, and a large portion of the plain of Israelon, as also the sea coast, dwelt the Canaanites proper, or lowlanders. The Jebusites held the strong fortress of Jebus, Jerusalem. The Hittites, Hebron and its vicinity. Between the Hittites and the Dead Sea were the powerful and warlike Amorites, or Highlanders. The Hivites occupied the country about Gibeon and under Mount Hermon, the Perizzites the high plains under the range of Carmel, while in the extreme north dwelt a powerful chief who bore the hereditary name of Jabin, or the Wise. His fortress was at Hazor, somewhere on the high ground overlooking the waters of Merom, a strong and fortified position and the principal city of that portion of the land. The first step to any complete subjugation of the country was the capture of the important city of Jericho, situated immediately opposite the camp of Joshua, in a vast grove of noble palm trees, nearly three miles broad and eight miles long, which must have recalled to the few survivors of the old generation of the Israelites the magnificent palm groves of Egypt such as may now be seen stretching along the shores of the Nile at Memphis. It was a fenced city enclosed by walls of considerable breadth, was the residence of a king, and not only contained sheep and oxen, but abounded in silver and gold, and vessels of brass and iron. Joshua chapter 6 verse 24 From its position it was the key of western Palestine, and commanded the two main passes into the central mountains. 
The first act of Joshua, therefore, was to send two spies to reconnoitre this important place, setting out from Shittim, or the meadows of Acacia, and crossing the Jordan. They effected their entrance into the house of a woman named Rahab on the city wall. Their arrival was not unobserved, and was reported to the king of Jericho. He sent to Rahab's house and demanded their surrender, but she had already concealed her visitors among the flax stalks spread out to dry on the flat roof of her house, and when the king's messengers arrived, she informed them that the two men had departed and advised a speedy pursuit. Misled by this information, the officers of the king went after them in all haste, while she came up to the spies upon the roof and related what had occurred. The townsfolk, she said, had heard of the marvellous passage of the Red Sea and of the defeat of the great Amorite chiefs on the east of Jordan, and despaired of offering any effectual resistance to a nation thus visibly protected by a God powerful in heaven above and in earth beneath. Joshua chapter 2 verse 11 These fears she herself shared and now offered to assist them Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31, James chapter 2 verse 25, in escaping by letting them down by a cord from her window, that they might fly to the jagged range of the white limestone mountains behind the city, and conceal themselves for three days till their pursuers were returned. As a requital for this kindness, she implored them at the capture of the city which she regarded as certain, to spare her life and the lives of her father and mother and all her relatives. To this the spies assented, and having agreed that the scarlet cord should be bound in the window whence they effected their escape, to mark out the house to their comrades and be a pledge of its security, suffered themselves to be lowered down, and in the course of three days, after hiding in the mountains, once more crossed the Jordan and announced to Joshua the despondency of the people of Jericho. Early, therefore, the next morning, the Hebrew leader broke up the encampment on the upper terraces of Shittim and descended to the lower banks of the Jordan, where three days were spent in ceremonial purifications and in preparing for the passage of the river. The ark was to lead the way borne by the priests, and the people were to follow at a distance of 2,000 cubits, or nearly a mile, and were assured that the feet of the priests should no sooner rest in the river than the waters from the south would be cut off from the waters that came down from above, and would stand on a heap, thus at once affording a passage and a pledge of future and complete victory over all the nations of Canaan. Joshua chapter 3 verses 1 to 13 It was now the time of harvest, which ripens three weeks earlier in the plain of Jericho than in other parts of Palestine, and the Jordan at this point, three quarters of a mile wide, had overflowed all its banks. On the 10th of Nisan, the sacred month, and therefore four days before the feast of the Passover, the signal for the passage was given. The priests advanced, bearing the ark, and presently reached the brim, 
or broken edge of jordan joshua chapter 3 verse 15 but no sooner were their feet dipped in the water than far up the river in adam the city which is beside zaratan that is about thirty miles from the place where the israelites were encamped the waters which rushed down from above stood and rose up upon a heap while those that came down towards the salt sea failed and were cut off joshua chapter three verse sixteen thus from north to south the waters were driven backwards psalm one hundred and fourteen verse three and the dry river-bed was exposed to view into it the priests descended bearing the ark and there they stood firm and motionless as if on dry ground meanwhile below the spot where they stood the host probably at various points hasted and passed over joshua chapter four verse ten led by the tribes of reuben and gad and the half-tribe of manasseh whose vanguard amounted to forty thousand men joshua chapter four verse twelve when at length from the deep bed of the river all had ascended to the desert plains on the further side joshua gave the signal to the priests to come out of the river preceded by twelve chiefs of the tribes with twelve huge stones taken from the bed of the jordan which were set up as a memorial on the upper bank of the jordan valley they moved from the spot where they had stood so long and no sooner had they reached the other side than the waters rushed back to their accustomed channel and the river overflowed its banks as before joshua chapter four verse eighteen intelligence of this marvellous event reached the ears not only of the amorite mountain chiefs but also of the canaanite lowlanders on the sea coast and filled them with the utmost alarm their heart melted neither was their spirit in them any more no attack therefore was made upon the israelites who were left in quiet possession of their advanced post on the western side of the jordan here the rite of circumcision so long neglected during their desert wanderings was performed and in memory of this removal of the reproach of their uncircumcised state the rising ground of their encampment was called gilgal rolling away joshua chapter five verse nine they were now also in a condition to keep the passover which was duly celebrated on the fourteenth day of the month at even on the plains of jericho and the unleavened cakes prescribed for this festival were made of the old corn of the land and not of the manna which on the next day entirely ceased and thus proved that their desert life was really over joshua chapter five verses ten to twelve the capture of jericho was the next step to be taken and while joshua was in all probability deeply meditating thereon there appeared to him a man with his sword drawn in his hand who in answer to the inquiries of the israelite leader declared himself to be the prince of the army of jehovah in deep reverence joshua fell on his face to the ground and was bidden to loose his shoes from off his feet for the place on which he stood was holy ground instructions were then given him respecting the method of the city's capture to mark in the strongest manner 
the singularity of the campaign, to distinguish it from anything that had been known before, the great frontier fortress of the Jordan Valley was to fall in a way above all others calculated to show that the Lord fought for Israel. Once a day for six days, the host, preceded by the sacred ark and seven priests, each blowing a trumpet of ram's horn, was to march in procession round the city. On the seventh day, the circuit was to be made seven times, at the conclusion of which the priests were to sound a long blast with the ram's horns. This was to be the signal for a general shout, on which Joshua was assured that the walls of Jericho would fall down flat, and the host would be enabled to advance, every man straight before him, into the doomed city. Once within it, the Israelites were to consider everything, save the house and family of Rahab, as devoted to Jehovah. Man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep, were to be given up to wholesale destruction, and the city itself was to be burnt with fire, and all that was therein, save the vessels of gold and silver, of brass and iron, which were to be consecrated to the service of Jehovah. Accordingly, early the next morning, the strange advance was ordered. First went a select body of armed men. Joshua chapter 6 verse 9. Then followed the priests, blowing with the trumpets. Next the ark. And lastly, the vanguard. Save the blasts of the trumpets, there was no war cry of the troops no sound even of human voice. Once a day for six days, the strange procession passed round the city. What the swords of the Israelites could effect had already been proved in fierce conflicts with Sihon and Og, but now they hung unused in their sheaths. At early dawn on the seventh day, the same procession went forth and compassed the city not once but seven times. The last circuit complete, the priests sounded a long-continued blast, and on a given signal from Joshua, the great shout of the entire army rose to heaven. Immediately, the walls of Jericho fell down flat, and the host advanced straight into it and captured it. In the house of Rahab, her mother and father and other relatives were gathered together as had been agreed and having been identified by the spies, were led forth to a place of safety without the camp of Israel. The rest of the inhabitants, without exception, were slain with the edge of the sword. The city was burnt, and everything was consumed, save the vessels of gold and silver, of brass and iron. And not only was the proud city of palm trees thus utterly destroyed, but Joshua imprecated a solemn curse on anyone who attempted to rebuild it. He should lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son should he set up the gates of it. Joshua chapter 6 verse 26 Thus the first step in the conquest was brought to a successful end, and the most important town in the Jordan Valley, the key of western Palestine, was in the hands of the Israelites. End of Book 6, Chapter 1